Welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Welcome back, everybody. In this podcast on motivating and inspiring, this is the second section where we talk more usually about entrepreneurs and small to medium-sized enterprises and social enterprises. In the last podcast, I mentioned a model, ABCD, which was, of course, acquire, bond, comprehend, and defend. And I think from my experience in starting up smaller companies, you're actually looking at a BCDA model, the same things, but in a different sequence. And we'll get into that a little bit later into the podcast. But last time I mentioned to Gada that I believe that the ABCD model is not the total picture. And I was wondering, Gada, can you share any ideas about inspiration and whether there is a deeper explanation than just this model? Yes, Martin. According to emotional intelligence research, there are three important connections in an individual's life. One is to yourself, where you know and understand your thoughts and emotions, grow self-awareness, and become connected with your being. The second is the connection to your other significant, which can be a spouse or relationship that is highly meaningful for you. And the third is the connectedness to the world through a higher spiritual realization that drives you to be in service to a noble goal for humanity. Now, inspiration can come from any of these three areas towards life in general or towards the work we do in life. EQ calls this spiritual emotional intelligence or SEQ. If you have fulfilled and balanced connectedness, you're most likely to experience inspiration in life and at work. Leaders can become catalysts for such connections through their ability to transcend people from one state to another in how they speak with people, how they tap into their core values and the little acts of kindness and support they offer them. When followers feel they are connected to a higher sense of purpose, They become inspired and and can inspire others towards the better good. Yes. Well, here is where role modeling can inspire specific behaviors regarding leadership and beyond leadership. In the story I mentioned in the last podcast, which was a large corporate story, did you notice that people were following me into something that I was clearly passionate about? But within a short period of time, other people were trying to follow my team because they realized they were passionate. So what had happened was that the role modeling from my perspective came from my mentor. I then copied it. And what was that? Somewhat passive. And that is just simply acting out who I was, acting out what I believed in, acting out what I thought we could do. And then from the active side of it, coaching others who were in my team into who they really wanted to be. As a result of that, after a short period of time, people in other parts of the organization were watching my team passively act out what they were passionate about. And they wanted some of that too. They wanted that motivation and inspiration, just not to do the same job, 
but they wanted that level of motivation and inspiration in their own team. The emotion that comes with it, yeah. It's irrepressible. I mean, you see a team that's operating like this and you just want to be a part of it. But of course, they're doing something different. You still want to do what you want to do, but you want to be working like that. So you sort of seek it out. And this is why I think neo-charismatic leaders are very effective is because it's that higher purpose. And you're talking about the spiritual, emotional intelligence. It sort of emanates from a neo-charismatic leader. Yeah, we're really analyzing here that kind of emotion, having seen them in action. They probably don't know all of what we are saying, but it's like us, we are observing and analyzing and bringing in the knowledge into the equation. Yes. And when I started off by saying that the model is actually BCDA in smaller entrepreneurial enterprises, I believe that's true because... You know, many cases there, there isn't the money. There isn't the cachet of working with a big organization or having a big expense account or anything like that at all. In fact, you might be operating on a shoestring budget and, you know, everybody might be turning up in t-shirts and jeans every day because that's really all you can afford to do. But the point is there is still that bond and that builds the comprehension of to what you're doing in the world. I think you mentioned it earlier, Gada that people are trying to find a better something, right? So if you think about any social enterprise, any startup business, there's a need and that need has not been serviced. And so your organization is starting up to do that. That builds a bond amongst the people involved far more quickly than anything else. So there's where you start is the bond. You then help individuals as the leader, you help individuals understand how that fits into the bigger world. You're not going to conquer the world tomorrow. So you're actually building a bond between you and the world in the form of, of that small business. That's exactly right. So if, if it's like a coffee shop that sits somewhere in your neighborhood, you're actually thinking, oh, people need that. Sit and, and talk to each other and, and enjoy a cup of coffee and makes their day. So you're actually thinking not just about the profit, you're thinking about how how can you belong to that community by serving that community and presenting that product? Yes, exactly. So it reminded me that just yesterday I was sitting in a Starbucks and the picture on the wall was of the original Starbucks out on uh, Pike Place Market in Seattle. And on the picture, it must be original because it says coffees, teas and spices. And that's, of course, what Starbucks was originally. And as they grew, they dropped the spices and they're basically coffee and tea and just about every other combination you can think of these days. But what was happening was in the early days of Starbucks, they were trying to find their place. They were trying to find their bond with the world. And the reason that Howard Schultz certainly says that they grew was not because it was just another coffee shop or another tea shop. It was because they were creating this third space. It wasn't home. It wasn't work. It was a place where people could get together and talk, work, design, think, come up with ideas, whatever. And it was also intended to be local. Now, of course, that sounds funny, doesn't it? When there's Starbucks outlets all over the world, but the model behind the brand was then tested. So what, what happened here was they went into the market, tested what it wanted. Some people just call it market research. Yes, I would agree that's what it is. However, when you look back internally into the company, 
they were creating that link between the bond and the comprehension in our model with what people wanted. And once they realized what they could provide and what people wanted, they then became probably one of the most successful coffee shops in in the world. And remember, when they made this decision, there were less than six Starbucks outlets in the entire world. Now, consider what people who work there would do. Would they defend their jobs? Would they defend their roles? You know, there's a very, very high engagement level of people that work there. And you can tell when you go into the uh, outlets themselves, and very rarely will you find staff that are not excited and uh, enjoying their job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I witnessed that as well. Yes. Yeah. So the acquire bit, you know, it's a, today you say, okay, I'm a, I'm a lead barista at Starbucks. People can be impressed with that. Okay. You've got a reasonable income. You have got benefits, but you didn't have that when they first started. That was not uh, there. So even for small companies, you know, what you're trying to do is build this bond with your team, build this bond with the greater group around you however small or large that is, and then continue to provide this new service. And if they like it, then you will grow. Yes. And with the Comprehend part, it's about creating a challenge for people that work with you, that follow you, even if it's a small team, where they feel that the challenge is more important than the material reward, where they feel that they're, this is going to grow me I want to learn how to do this. I, I won't let it go. I will continue and persevere until I achieve it. And of course, that is in itself is motivating because people look up to grow. Nobody wants to stay the same. It's a, it's part of who you are as a human being. So if you can, as a small business or as a, a leader and, you know, with followers, Create these kind of daily challenges, even if the jobs look simple from the outside, you create something that helps people grow constantly on the job that makes them feel, oh, this is new. I can come in today and and do something differently, but how do I do it? And that in itself, the question of how do I do it? Or they want me to do this, but they want me to do it with that in mind. So how do I come up with this? That engages the mind and becomes an obsession almost. Yes, it goes beyond the mind. It goes to the heart too, doesn't it? And it doesn't really matter. You know, I use the example of of a barista in Starbucks, but of course it doesn't really matter. You know, you may not be interested in coffee shops, but whatever you are interested in, how do you create that same level of buzz and drive? And it sort of leads me to the question, which uh, I believe... These two are extremely highly linked, and that is when you are motivated and inspired, the inspiration tends to drive innovation, which in its own right then furthers the organization and the people in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sure, I have seen people online, and this is probably the next thing we want to bring in, is how do you virtually motivate and inspire? What can you do? with your organization virtually that will help the organization feel connected to each other, although they're working from different homes across the country. (laughs) They're not meeting like in the morning, hello, how are you, the coffee? And, you know, you have a chat with your peer sitting in the office and uh, between now and then there's a joke and there's someone walking in. There is no personal presence. 
So what do you do to create that virtual motivation and inspiration? And uh, before I hand it over to you, I want to just give our audience an example of something that I witnessed in, in, a, in a company who has around virtually 40 to 50 employees. They usually have their annual meeting where people get together and, you know, have uh, like a seminar or some kind of an activity or a retreat. But they decided this time to do a chocolate tasting virtually. And this might be very strange, but it is as it, as it is. They arranged for the chocolatier company or the, the chef to send the small tasting boxes to the employee's home ahead of time. And they arranged a Zoom call, live Zoom call, and the chef was standing there and he was asking, there's actually specific guidelines on which, what is this chocolate or what is that? And he went through the whole box and people were tasting in their home and commenting and writing in the chat. So this was very engaging and very sensual that engaged the senses. I mean, you will never forget something like this for the rest of your life that one day you attended you know, a chocolate tasting contest online, how you can connect and bond people together, because that is one of the drivers to motivation. Yes, I think the motivation when you are working in a virtual world is just as possible. You just have to think about it a little more carefully. I've been fortunate and I've worked with a number of organizations that have been remote for at least the last 17 years. It's actually got very little to do with the current pandemic. And, you know, there are organizations that are global. So you, you physically cannot get people together as frequently as you would perhaps if everybody was living in the same town. But there are ways to get the group together. So it might just be indeed a Zoom meeting, but a meeting where the topic is basically open for discussion for anybody in the, in the virtual room, which would, of course, happen normally if you were just sitting in a room prior to a meeting. There would be some chit chat. There would be some interesting exchanges there. So you look at what makes a team work in a physical location and then say, how do I recreate that in a virtual situation? It's not that hard, but the example that you've given with the chocolates, I think is really good. You know, as you say, there was that sensory feeling that you're actually going to be sharing something physical at the same time as teammates, even though you weren't in the same room. And so, you know, you've got to look at the various ways that humans, you know, use our senses. We have a lot of senses. We tend to learn things either through auditory, visual, or kinesthetic methods. So if you can design a session, even if it's only 20 minutes, where you use all three of those attributes, then the ability to get that team to bond is going to be much, much greater. And I think, you know, we do need to be spending more time at the moment thinking about how we create those situations. Yesterday, I saw some research that is very recent, and it says that 52% of most of the adults, now this was actually in the UK, 52% of the adults tested said that the pandemic had negatively affected their feelings of self-worth and comfort level. And ba basically their anxiety is just up no matter what. So leaders can help reduce that. Yes. I mean, it sends a message that is leaders attending to the connectedness with people. They connected with people on a daily basis by just going live and speaking. 
and showing up and engaging, even if it's one person who's engaging with them. And that helped their product come to market and be successful. And they had great uh, amount of followers and great income from just doing that. So it's not an impossible thing to do. I mean, we're, we're doing this podcast, you know, virtually me and you sitting and recording and we've been doing this starting the pandemic, basically. So I hope that our followers today have been inspired by us and by the stories we told and that they think about the connectedness as an essential element in driving motivation and inspiration. Yes, Gada, I think that the need for leadership now is even stronger than prior to the pandemic. And there are very few things that have to be done physically. So obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to build a house virtually. You're not going to be able to perform an operation on somebody in a hospital virtually. We understand that. But think through very carefully all of those situations that really don't need a physical presence and think about how you can create the feeling of a physical presence and then use that to motivate and inspire your people. And you will find that their anxiety levels will start to come down and they will get back to enjoying their role wherever it is they're able to perform it. So Gada, we are running to the end of our time here. Once again, very interesting discussion, thoroughly enjoyed it. We hope you have enjoyed it out there listening and we look forward to your questions and suggestions. So please send them in through the website. Until the next time, Gada, thank you very much. Thank you. And to our listeners, goodbye. Goodbye. Gada and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.